So tonight I'm going to ask, especially I say this to our visitors, I just want you to be sensitive to the things of God. And I'll guarantee you this, there's not ever a message that's preached that there's not something in that message that God had especially for you. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm not real good at introducing. I, I want to sit here and just tell you how great a man Brother Glass is and everything that he is. <laughs> he said, I said enough. <laughs> Amen. But uh, I appreciate Brother Glass coming here. I really do. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. I, I, get to, I had the privilege of getting to go get him in Derrida today. Got to drive back with him. And we laughed. I told him about that snake that crawled on Brother Marty's foot. And we laughed. And we had a good time, praise him. I tell you, if, he, if I could ever get him to dance in this church like he danced that day, amen. Boy, we would have us one more church service, amen. I'll have to tell you all about that one day. All right, Brother Glass is here to dance too. Well, praise the Lord. Let's all stand and out of the man and the gospel that the man preaches. Brother Glass, thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 When a, a minister comes to a church where he has never been, he kind of likes to know who's in the audience. I don't mean by that that he wants to know you by name or what he'd like to, but he kind of likes to know who he's preaching to. And uh, one way they have a finding out is they will say when they come to the pulpit, praise the Lord. And those that respond, he accepts them. Well, they're one of us. But those, those that don't respond, he accepts them as a prospect. Now, who are you? You want another chance? Praise the Lord! Right up on the second seat, some good prospects. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. It's good to be here. I have looked forward to this occasion. It seemed like when your pastor slipped over to me at the camp meeting and asked me, would, would I come to Thibodeau? There's a little history about myself in Thibodeau. I came here in 1976, went to one of your motels, me and my wife, to talk to God and decide as to whether or not I was to retire as pastor. And God spoke to me and told me that's what he wanted me to do. I found out right here in Thibodeau. God speaks to people in Thibodeau. 
Praise the Lord. And uh, if I'd have known Brother James would have, would have been here, I may have answered him a lot quicker. Yes, I'll come, because Brother James is a very precious friend and has been. I knew him, and he knew me before our hair was gray. You was a cute little fella then. Oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> he says he still is. I, I really think he ought to let us decide that. I remember my old dad, he'd say, how are you doing? People would say, pretty good. He said, I asked you how you were doing. I'll decide whether you're pretty or not. <laughs> Wonderful to be here. All these precious ministers behind me, and I just fell in love with your pastor and his wife today. We, we just had the best time. Oh, we stopped on the road and got some of the best shrimp gumbo. And I thought uh, that I liked it hot. I'd put some of that red hot in it. And I found out I didn't need none of that red hot. I had a bad cold and tail tooth. It just broke it all up. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, to God. So many, sincerely, so many good things come our way because we're a child of God. I'm meeting people tonight. I see people now that I've never seen before. And I see you worshiping my God. And, and it makes me feel a kindred spirit. Makes me feel at home. Makes me feel like I'm in the family. We are in the family. Praise God. When you, when you refer to families or the individuals, some will say, well, blood's thicker than water. They mean kinfolks are closer than those that aren't. Well, I can scripturally prove we're blood kin. Blood kin. That if you're speaking of blood being thick, Jesus' blood's thicker than anyone. We're, we're Jesus' blood kin. We're spirit kin. We are name kin. Can you be any more kin than that? Praise the Lord. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what I told the congregation Sunday up in North Louisiana. We were up there dedicating a church. I said, I'm just 
milling around over the country. I'm here two or three nights and yonder two or three. And, and I said, I'm kindly looking over the people that I'm going to be with in eternity. And I said, I, I look at them and I think, well, you may be my next door neighbor up there. I don't know. And I haven't found any of God's people yet that I'd mind being next door to. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God bless you. God bless you. Well, it, it's time. It's time to preach. And I'm going to read from the 10th chapter of Romans. You that wish to read with me, 10th chapter of Romans, beginning with verse 13, reading downward a few verses. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I'm going to speak to you for the next little while from this thought found in this passage of Scripture, who hath believed our report? Who hath believed our report? Now notice it didn't say who believes what they see. It didn't say that said, Who believes our report? Who has seen, it didn't say who has seen what was reported, but who has believed our report? A simple subject I've introduced to you, but you live in a day when it's hard to believe what you don't see. You're living in a day when you can't trust everyone. You can't trust everything you hear and everybody that speaks to you. You're just living in fearless time. This day is really against you. I hear people say, I don't believe anything I hear and only half I see. Now, they think they're bragging on themselves. Oh, I don't believe nothing I hear 
and only about half I see. Then they'll, they'll say, I am from Missouri. You'll have to show me. You ever hear that? They know whether you had down here or not. I have where I am. But I want to tell you, precious people, before I allow you to be seated, if you're saved, if you walk with God and live for God, you're going to have to believe some things you hear. You're going to have to believe. Who hath believed our report? Not who has seen what we report, but who hath believed what is reported. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I, I remember on one particular occasion, I was either going or coming, I don't remember which, but anyway, the flight I was on was descending. It is coming down through some beautiful white clouds, and most of the time, the clouds are like mountains up there. They go way up and to a point, and then they're down, and just just about like just about like mountains. But on this particular occasion, those white clouds are almost as level as a floor. And as my window was coming down through those beautiful white clouds, I could see miles in the distance. I just thought in my mind, Lord, I would like to see you walking on those clouds. And he spoke to me. He didn't write it on the ceiling of the plane. He didn't speak audibly. But he spoke to my heart clear enough that I understood what he said and that he was speaking to me. And he said this, would you be any more convinced if I allowed you to see me? And I actually answered out loud, No, Lord, no. I'd like to see you, but I don't need to see you to convince me. I'm already convinced. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm going to show you people in the Bible that believed a report, believed what they heard, and they had such a little, such a little to stand on, such a little to convince them, yet, they believe. And then when I think of the evidence we have, what we have to substantiate what we believe, how much proof we have, 
Folks, we ought to be ashamed that we don't believe more than what we do. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Listen to this. Immediately after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, his disciples, that is, as far as I can tell in the count, ten of his disciples was in a private room, closed door. Jesus has been raised from the dead. And without the opening of a door, Jesus appeared in their midst. They saw him. The reason I say it was ten, Judas has betrayed him. That left eleven. Thomas was absent. That left ten. Now those men saw Jesus. They talked with him. They knew he had risen. And when they saw Thomas, they told Thomas, He has risen. We saw Jesus. He is alive. He's no longer in the grave. He's living. And Thomas said, I will not believe. That was his prerogative. That was his privilege. That's yours, whether you want to believe or not. So Thomas chose not to believe. I refuse to believe unless I see the scars in his hand, put my hand in his hand, and in his side where he was wounded. I have to see that to believe. Now that's simple. You know that. I haven't told you anything you don't know. But you don't know, you don't know how insulting that could have been to Peter, James, and John, and the other disciples. They were colleagues. They followed Jesus with Thomas with, for about three and one half years. They were friends. They were disciples. They shared in so much. And now Peter and James and John and Bartholomew and the others are telling Thomas he's alive. And Thomas saying, I don't believe it. In other words, you're lying to me. That, that's insulting. That's insulting. Well, as long as I've known Brother James He'd come and tell me anything. I'd believe the man. He's my brother. He's my colleague. He's not going to lie to me. Now, Thomas would have met a stranger down the road, somebody he didn't know. And that stranger would have said, you know, you hear about Jesus of Nazareth that was crucified in Jerusalem? I just saw him. He's alive. I could understand Thomas saying, well, I, 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 I need a little more evidence. I can't believe it. But whenever Peter, James, and John tells him, we saw him, he's alive. And Thomas said, I don't believe it. That's telling them you're lying to me. That's insulting. 
you can, you just think on that. He said, I have to put my hands in the scars. One week, eight days from that day, they were together again. Thomas was in the midst, and Jesus appeared again. And he sees Thomas. He knows exactly what Thomas has said. Knows all about his doubting, his unbelief. And he looks at Thomas and says, Come on and put your hands on the scars. Come on. Pull back his robe. Come on, put your hand in the side. And don't be faithless, but believe. Come on, Thomas. And Thomas fell down at his feet and said, My Lord and my God. I wish the world knew that. He is Lord and God. But here's what I was leading up to all the time. I told you all that coming to this. Jesus said, Thomas, thou hast seen and believed. Blessed are they in Timido, Louisiana, in 1985, who have not seen, yet they believe. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Who hath believed the report? Thomas couldn't believe the report. He had to see for himself. But I'm going to tell you, friends, you're going to have to believe the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, or you'll never see him in peace. He has chosen hearing. Now, some people try to tell me, and I don't argue with them. They want to believe that it's all right. I might believe it myself if I'd stop and think too much about it. They say the eye gate retain, retains ten times more than the ear gate. In other words, you can remember ten times more what you see than you can what you hear. If that be true, Jesus still chose hearing. Hearing. Whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How can they call on him in whom they have not believed? How can they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Didn't say who have not seen, but who have not heard. How can they hear without a preacher? The Lord chose preaching. We didn't choose us. God chose it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm thinking about uh, a particular incident in the Scripture that I refer to quite often because it means so much to me. And it's uh, the captain of the Syrian host called Naaman. He was a mighty man of valor in his day. 
second to the king, but he was dying of leprosy. He was dying. And the Lord wanted a little missionary in his home to witness to him. He wanted Naaman to hear a testimony, a witness. And he had to be very particular and careful who he placed in Naaman's home. Anyone could not be trusted. So he had to be careful. But he found the little Mosaic Law conqueror, young person, that he could trust. Now the average, the average person that would have went into Naaman's home under the conditions she went would feel that the leprosy was the judgments of God on Naaman for taking her as a captive, as a slave. God couldn't have anyone in his house with that attitude. That's a bad attitude. Who in the world am I that God would send judgment on anybody for the way they treat me? Who am I? Am I that important? I'm sure glad I don't feel that important. But the Lord had to be careful. So he chose a little girl, not even named. Some of the greats of the Bible were not even named, were not known by name. Some of the greats of this day are not known by name, but they're great. Some of the greatest saints in the world sit in our pews and are unknown. Very far out. But if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have churches. Thank God. And this little missionary found herself in Naaman's home and him dying of leprosy. Didn't know nothing about God. Hadn't heard of God and his power to heal. And she gave a little simple testimony that any of us could have given. Oh, that my Lord Naaman would go to the prophet in Israel. That's a simple testimony. But that's what God put her in that home to say. And Naaman didn't hear her say it. His wife heard her say it. And his wife told Naaman. Naaman got it secondhand. And that's all he heard. That's all. And he believed the report. What has he got to stand on? When did he ever hear of God healing anybody else of leprosy? Does he have any evidence to stand on? All he has is the testimony of that little missionary in the presence of his wife. Now you think of you think what he moved on, and you think of what you've heard, what you've seen, what you felt, who you've been among, who you know, 
the sermons you've heard, the prayers you've heard. Think of all that, that you have to encourage your belief. I tell you, friends, it's a sin for us to doubt God for one single moment. We've got too much to stand on. You look what, what a little he had. What a little. You never hear of that little missionary again. That's all she went down there for. Give that testimony. Gave it. And Naaman moved on. Told the king about it. The king loved him so much. He sent a caravan down into Judea with him. Sent him to the king. That's all he knew. I've said this publicly more than one time. As far as I'm personally concerned, excluding the anointed of God, the kings, prophets, priests, excluding, not including the anointed, but excluding the anointed. There was no greater man in the Old Testament than Naaman. If I wanted to preach a sermon on walking in the light, I could use him as an example. He started in absolute total darkness, and as the light shined on his path, he walked in it all the way. Praise God. Just a little light shines and said, there's a prophet in Israel that can heal you. Just that's all the light he saw. The king sent him to the king of Israel. The king of Israel, Judea, felt insulted. Who does he think I am? A God that I can heal a man of leprosy? But the prophet of God heard about it and said, send him to me. And so Naaman walked in the light. He went to where the prophet lived, went to the gate. He was announced at the gate. The prophet said, go to Jordan and dip seven times. And Naaman thought at least he'd come outside and lay his hands on me and, and rub me at least. But the prophet didn't even come outside. I, I expect that would have made some of us to mad. We went back to Seir and died a leper. You can't get mad in this work. And stay mad. Of course, Naaman, Naaman got mad. He got mad. Brother Glass, you said he, you just said he was the greatest in the Old Testament, excluding the anointed. I still say it. Yeah, he got mad. But I know a lot of Holy Ghost people that's got mad at the preacher. Quit paying the tithes. Quit going to church. Think about trading churches. Man, how much time? What are you worth over yonder if you leave here because you're mad? You better get mad before you get over there. Times he'll tell you some facts about an individual. 
I remember there was a certain fellow that was full of a certain sin. And God spoke to not only me, but to several others. When you'd have never dreamed. And we all came together. We all had a word of knowledge. That's an understanding, some insight. Here's a good example of a word of knowledge. Now this could be, this could be the, as far as the discerning of spirits, but we'll get on that later. This is not a word of knowledge, is a fact, an insight to the facts. This is an important, an important thing. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so y'all remember that. The word of knowledge is insight. All right, that's knowing. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. One of his own servants slipped over to him and said, if he'd have told you some great thing to have done, you would have done it. But he told you to go dip in Jordan and you won't do that. Well, why can't I go to the rivers of my own land? If I've got to dip in a river, why can't I go to the rivers of my own land? Over there where mother and daddy live. Over there where I was raised. What's the difference in the river? Naaman, I'll tell you what the difference in the river is here. Your healing is the difference. And let me say this, to these people that say there's no difference in baptism, just so you're baptized. The difference in baptism in water could be the salvation of your soul. I was baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of my sins. There is a difference. There is a difference. There is a difference. Praise God. And all that man moved on was what little he heard. What a little he heard. But he stood on it. Believed it. Followed. Walked in the light. Never heard of anyone that had dipped in Jordan seven times for their healing. But you, you, we preach the Holy Ghost to you, and there's a whole group all around you that has the Holy Ghost. And you've seen them live for God and still won't accept the Lord. Name, I never heard of anybody being healed dipping in Jordan seven times. Never heard of it. But he's moving on what he heard. God will heal you if you dip seven times, not six, seven. Don't dip till you get wet, dip seven times. The Lord is interested in more than you getting wet, Naaman. If all he wanted is you getting wet, he could drown you without Jordan. 
Praise God. Praise the Lord. I'm going to I'm going to indulge here a little go a little beyond what my subject would take me to in this preaching tonight. After Naaman was miraculously healed in Jordan, I call this the aftermath of obedience. God wants to get a little glory in your obedience as well as you getting a blessing. After Naaman was healed, he went back to the prophet and wanted to give him gifts again. He wouldn't have it. Well, can I take, can I take a pack animal load of this dirt home with them? Wasn't that precious dirt to him? Wasn't that? And he said, I'll never. Now, here's what God wanted. Naaman wanted his healing, but God wanted something in his obedience. Naaman said, I'll never offer a sacrifice to no other God save the God of Israel. Now, that's what God wanted all the time. That's why he had to dip in Jordan seven times. God wanted some glory out of it. And he wants some glory out of our obedience. And we ought to see us doing it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm going further back in the Scripture. There is a woman living on the walls of the city of Jericho called Rahab. She's introduced to us in the Scripture. When we first hear of her, she's introduced as a harlot. That doesn't make us think too much of her. Why she's introduced as a harlot, I'm not questioning. But uh, she was. And she owned and run a rooming house. It's called an inn in the scripture, on the walls of the city. And one day, two men came to her to rent a room, and they rented a room in her rooming house that night. And some men went to the king of Jericho and told him that there's two men from among the Israelites that's in Rahab's rooming house. They rented a room there. They've been over the city all day spying out the city. And they're in her rooming house tonight. Well, the king sent some detectives or policemen or what have you to Rahab's rooming house to arrest and find these men. And they went to her house and told her, you have in this house two men from among the Israelites. They've been spying out Jericho all day. We want them. We've come after them. And the moment she heard 
that there's two men in her house from Jericho among the Israelites. She made up her mind, I'm going to protect them. I'm going to use them to help me get a deliverance when God gives this country to the Israelites. She believed God was going to give Canaan to the Israelites. And there was Israelites that didn't believe it. Did you hear me? And she turned these men away. And she ran to where these men that rented the room were and told her who they were. And told them, we have heard how God dried up the Red Sea for you to come across. She'd heard. She'd heard. She wasn't there. She didn't see the river divide and part. But she heard. She heard how God dried up the Red Sea and she believed what she heard. I don't know how many voices it came through before it got to her. But she believed it when she heard it. And she said, we know how nations have withstood you and how God has given you the victory over these nations. Your God is the living God. And she said, when we heard what all God was doing for you, our hearts failed us. And God's going to give you this land. And all she had to stand on is what she heard. Nothing to read. No eyewitnesses. And she said to these spies, I'm going to help you escape. She put her faith to work. Faith without works is dead. She said, I'm going to help you escape. And when God gives you this city, I want you to help me. Moving on what she'd heard. Moving on. Who hath believed the report? Who in the world would believe that God parted a sea for people to walk across on dry land? Everybody wouldn't believe that, but she believed it. She believed it. Everybody we preach to about the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues don't believe it. But thank God we find one once in a while that does believe. Praise the Lord. A precious young evangelist came to me quite discouraged. He'd held three or four revivals and it wasn't but a few people got saved in his revivals. He's very discouraged. And I told him, I said, 
I, I wouldn't allow that to discourage me in the light of the Scripture. I said, from what I can find in the Scripture, from what I can find, studying it closely, about 500 people heard Jesus say, go back to Jerusalem and tarry until you be endued with power from on high. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry you in the city of Jerusalem. They knew he had risen from the dead. They saw him. They saw the scars. They saw the, the resurrected body. They saw gravity turn him loose and him ascend back to the heavens above. They saw angels come down in white apparel and say, Why stand you gazing into the heavens? This same Jesus that you see go away shall so come again in like manner. Five hundred people heard him say that. Five hundred people saw him. And three hundred and eighty of the five hundred disappeared, went their way. We never heard of them again. But a hundred and twenty went to Jerusalem. And they came. They came. Praise God. So I'd like to say to this precious pastor, if you can get one out of five of everybody that comes here to hear you preach, you're doing an excellent job. You're doing a marvelous job. Praise God. Just keep on preaching. After a while, somebody will believe. Praise the Lord. 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 Let me say it again and say it very soberly and as kind as I possibly can. It's your privilege to believe what you want to. But what you believe will not save your dying soul unless you believe the Bible the gospel. That's true, friends. That's true. I have said what we believe doesn't amount to any more than what the heathen across the world believes unless it's substantiated by the Word of God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Believe the old book. Believe the old book. Believe the word. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you have a little trouble believing, believe it for the work's sake. That's what Jesus told the doubting minister. Philip, have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me? Philip, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. For the work's sake. So I believe it. Oh, to the God. And so these spies told Rahab, 
You let the scarlet cord hang from this window, and we'll spare your house and all you can get in your house. Now, you listen closely. But we will not be responsible for no one that's not in your house. We'll take the responsibility of everyone you get in your house. But we will not be responsible for no one that's not in your house. Just let that scarlet cord hang from the window. They went and told Joshua, and Joshua gave orders for that house to be spared. And Rahab went to preaching. She went to preaching. Come and get in my house. Come and get in my house. If you want to be spared, if you want to be saved, come and get in my house. They could have asked her, what's the difference in your house and mine? Being spared is the difference. Being spared is the difference. They could have said, why, our house is better than yours, Rahab. We've got a brick house in the middle of the city, and you've got a frame house on the wall of the city. If your house is going to be spared, surely mine will be. You come and get in my house if you want to be saved or spared. It's the only house that's going to be spared. And people call us radical preachers. Call us fanatic preachers. You ought to heard the preachers of the Old Testament. Say, folks, Noah preached there's only one ark. And your only hope is getting in that one ark. Rahab preached there's only one house. And your only hope is getting in that one house. Now I'll tell you what I'm going to preach. There is only one church, and your only hope is getting in that one church. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, now listen to this. Let's listen to this. Rahab, sincerely, now what is the difference in the houses? What is the difference? All right, come around here and I'll show you. Take some around behind the house and there's a scarlet cord hanging from the window. There, there's a difference, that scarlet cord. That's what's going to save this house is that cord that's hanging from the window a type of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Praise God. And it happened exactly like the spies told her it would happen. Her house and all she got in it was spared. That's why we're trying to get everybody we can in our church. 
That's exactly why we want you saved. We don't want to save you. Jericho fell, the walls fell flat, the Israelites took the city completely over, Rahab was spared, she found a place among the Israelites in the family of God. She found a place. You can find a place in the family of God. Rahab, that was introduced to us first as a harlot. Her faith in God spared her and saved her. Her name is recorded in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. She married a Hebrew or an Israelite by the name of Salmon. She's found a place in the family of God. To her and Salmon was born a little boy, and they named him Boaz. You ever hear Boaz? That was Rahab's son. He grew up to be a man and owned a plantation. And Ruth went to gleaning in his field. And finally, Ruth married Boaz. And Rahab becomes Ruth's new mother-in-law. Rahab has found a place in the family of God. Brother, I enjoyed your song. I enjoyed it. That's the second time I've heard it. And when you started it, I thought, oh, I'm going to get to hear it again. I'm so glad he found me. I can't sing, I can't sing, but driving down the highway, I'll try to sing. I'm so glad he found me. Oh, I'm so glad he found me. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now listen. Boaz and Ruth married, as you know. To them was born a little boy, and they named him Obed. Obed grew to be a man he married, and to him and his wife was born a son, and they named him Jesse. Jesse grew to be a man, and he married and had several sons and named one of them David. Rahab and Ruth both became a grandmother of David because they chose the ways of God. Praise the Lord! Because they chose of their own initiative. The Father God. Praise the Lord. Who hath believed our report? Who hath believed? Can't you believe? Can't you believe? 
I feel like God made it so easy for us to believe. Done everything he can, we can expect him to do. To give us faith to believe him. We, we, we have a people today that tell you they do not believe in the virgin birth. When the Lord gave in the scripture everything you could expect him to give to encourage you to believe it. He could have allowed Isaac to have been born when Sarah was young. But to show you there could be a miraculous birth, he waited till Sarah was 90 years old and Abraham 100 before Isaac was born. To let you believe he can cause a miraculous birth. Then just before, just before Jesus was born of a virgin, Elizabeth is past the flower of her age. Zachariah's an old man. And he gives to Elizabeth and Zachariah's son named John the Baptist born a miraculous birth. Now, say, folks, can't you believe in a virgin birth? He's given you two witnesses of a miraculous birth. Why, why would it be hard to believe another? You that have a hard time believing in the resurrection, the literal resurrection, he stopped the widow with the funeral procession on the way to the cemetery to bury him, stopped it, and raised him from the dead. He walked to the tomb of Lazarus four days after he was dead. That's why I waited four days. If it had been the second day, people would have said he wasn't dead. But he waited for, and they told him by this time, he stinketh. That don't make any difference with God. He walked up and said, roll the stone away. Lazarus, come forth. What, what, what more can we expect him to do to encourage our faith? What more? What more? What more? Praise the Lord. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Preach the gospel, he that believeth left to you to believe. It's up to us to preach it, left to you to believe it. I'm, I'm going to challenge someone in this audience, in this Holy Ghost atmosphere, that don't have the Holy Ghost and you want it tonight. I'm going to ask you to stand up right where you are. Come on, stand up right where you are. Come on, stand up. Stand up. Come down here and receive it. Come on down here. Somebody else stand up. Someone else stand up right where you are. Right where you are. I'm leaning over this way. Somebody over here ought to stand up. Somebody over here ought to stand up. 
Stand up. Come on. Faith here tonight. Faith here tonight. Faith here tonight. Come on. Come on. Somebody else over here then. Please come. Please come. Please come. Praise the Lord. Church, listen to this appeal. You may never heard one just like this. Is there someone here tonight you wish would come and they haven't? All right. You come pray for them. I didn't say go to them. You come pray for them. Everyone here that you want to come and they haven't come, you come pray for them. Who's coming down here to pray for you, center friend? Just look at the people coming to pray for you. What a night! What a night! What a night! What a night! Come on. Come on. Please come. Please come. Pray with this lady that kind of lived. Pray with this lady that came for the Holy Ghost. Please come. Somebody's down here praying for you. Somebody's down here praying for you. the Please pray with this lady. 